so glad you're here tonight because in a few minutes i'm going to bring on uh brother jamie walden who's back with us and folks um it this it's just changing so rapidly and so fast this world um that a wake-up call uh needs we need revival in the body of messiah right now we need that old-fashioned revival that stirs up something from the inside where we start to view the lost of this world and the state of this world for truly how it is that we would get a hunger to reach people and tell them and share with them that Jesus Christ is coming again. There's not much time. And the last thing anybody wants to do is get to the end of your life and end up being with regrets. God doesn't want us to be with regrets. God wants us to be like the Apostle Paul. Lord, I fought the good fight, finished the race. Was Paul perfect? No. Did Paul make mistakes? Plenty of them. But he was on the path. It's not that you do everything right. It's that you stay on the path all the way to the end. And the Lord said unto him that is able to keep you from falling, meaning God can keep you from falling off that path. If you will trust in him, he can do this. And folks, we've needed this revival. We need this wake up right now in this hour. Well, listen, if you haven't been over and subscribed yet to the remnant call, Remnant Call Radio over on Rumble, please do, because I was just talking to Brother Jamie here, and we are going to, Lord willing, um, uh, do another Rumble exclusive here coming up soon, and uh, you won't be able to hear it over on this channel. You'll have to go to, to Rumble to hear it, because folks, you know right now, there are certain things we, we they don't want us to say, because the gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive to so many right now. And we are living in an hour where we must, must speak up for our Lord and Savior and tell the world about it. And even though the devil's trying to silence, God has a plan. Don't you worry. Don't fret. Don't let your heart be troubled. God has this under control. So I'm going to bring on Brother Jamie here. We're going to pray, and we are going to get into tonight's program. Jamie, are you here with me? Yeah, I'm here, brother. Thanks for having me on. Praise God, folks. I, I'm listen, you know, Jamie. Now, I don't need to give a long intro because you know this guy. But if you want to check out what's going on with Jamie Wald, and he is over there at Omega Dynamics. Is it .org or .com? I just yeah, .org or .org. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I've uh, lost it for a second. And check out what's going on. He's got a great book, Omega Dynamics. This is not your typical I need to sell a book type stuff. This is about deeper issues and things that are important uh, to the body of believers right now. Jamie is a warrior, a fellow Marine, and uh, once a Marine, always a Marine. We are a band of brothers, and nothing is better, though, than being a brother in Jesus Christ. Amen to that, brother. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Well, brother, I'm going to ask if you could open us up with a word of prayer, and we're going to jump right into tonight's program. Absolutely. 
Lord, we thank you and praise you for the opportunity to still come so freely um, in this perverse and crooked generation uh, that we've been given the opportunity to seek your face while it may be found, God. And and we can come to you and, and purchase from you uh, food without cost, God. And we can sit at your feet, Lord, and and um, like Boaz, Lord, we can lift the hem of your of your garment, Lord, and rest at your feet. And I just praise you for uh, the freedom that you've given us to pursue you while we can. We know that the, the day is coming where no man can work, Lord, and darkness is over the earth and thick darkness is over the people. But Lord, you've put forth the command to your warrior you redeemed, to those who know you, who seek your face, God. They know the sufficiency of your son and of your word in all things. The command has gone out to arise and shine for our light has come and the glory of our Lord has arisen upon us, Lord. I just praise you, God, that you've given us your word, that you haven't left us in our own strength as your word commands, Lord. And, and I do pray, Lord, over the listeners, the hearers, our brothers and sisters, Lord, those who would come into the faith, God, that we would wake up as your word commands. And as Brother Frank mentioned, that uh, like your servants, Lord, your, your ministering angels did for Daniel and, and like what had to happen for the disciples at Gethsemane and what happened to have happened for Zacharias. He's receiving a word from you, God, and the command in Matthew 24, just before you return Christ Jesus, your command in revelation to the, the church that has a reputation being alive and is dead. And the command at the end of revelation, revelation 16, Lord, the command to wake up and stay awake stands Amen. true, Lord. We have need of hypervigilance, of a fixation on uh, on you, the author and perfecter of our faith, not the fixation of the things of the world, the temporal fleeting things, and every single detail of the machinations of the powers of darkness, but a fixation on you and you alone, God, that we would grow in our knowing of you so that when you sound the battle trumpet, Lord, we are among those who hear and who move out in anointing of you to go forth and do daring exploits, God. So we just pray for that because we need it, Lord. And we have nothing apart from your spirit and your presence. And like Moses and Exodus 33, Lord, we, we just beseech you, God, do not send us with anything other than your very presence. No angels, no ministering spirits, no gifts of our own flesh or, or, or uh, um, uh, competencies within ourselves, God, do not send us unless your very presence is with us, because what else is going to distinguish us from all the other inhabitants of the earth apart from your presence, God? So we just pray these things and ask these things in the powerful life-giving name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Brother, thank you. That was powerful. Folks, I want to jump into something here tonight, because um, there's an important topic we want to really cover, but the, the news of everything that's going on, uh, the corruption from our highest office, uh, not willing to stand up to the things that are going on because obviously he's got ties into what's happening in this world. And we can see that corruption right now that's happening. And, and, and folks, we know that there could be war literally at any moment. And it's not just Russia. It's China. It's so many things can happen that it's it's so well known yet it seems like there's this haze this fog i call it the fog of babylon that is absolutely permeating over the people of america and there's still this belief especially even among conservative believers that well if the midterms can just happen if trump can just get back in the office everything will be okay and i am very worried for this type of belief because folks we have crossed a spiritual line that is so dark 
and so evil and so wicked that you can, folks, I don't care how, who's elected in the office. You cannot continue to kill the children. You cannot continue to have the open uh, acts of rebellion and lifestyle and homosexuality, all these different things. You cannot continue to do these things and think that God is going to bless. But it takes me back to the story in ancient Babylon. And you had Nebuchadnezzar who had his golden image and he had a lot of problems and God worked, you know, and finally though, at the end of his life, after the Lord, the Lord literally humbled him onto all fours at the end of his life, he finally acknowledges the most high and Jamie, Jamie, I wouldn't be surprised to see Nebi. I wouldn't be surprised one bit if we saw Nebuchadnezzar in the kingdom. I mean, the last I would not be surprised because the last words I see from him is from a humble man. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I, I always wonder that, you know, I've heard the old adage and I totally believe it where where it says we'll be utterly amazed at who is in the kingdom of heaven and at who isn't in the kingdom of heaven when we get there. <laughs> Amen. And, and so there seems to be this acknowledgement from the highest position in that kingdom that there is a God. And but now we're just a little bit past it down to the grandson, which was not very long afterwards. It was a little bit, but he has totally disregarded everything from his grandfather. So Belteshazzar knew what his grandfather had said, but he decided that in his reveling, that in his partying, that in his having a good time, that he could profane the holy things of God. And think that that would be okay. So it wasn't bad enough that the evil that they were doing from the lifestyle and the drunkenness, and I'm sure the the uh, all the wickedness and sexual parties and everything, I'm sure that was going on there uh, in, in that time. If that wasn't bad enough, he then thought it was okay to bring the holy vessels of God into and mix it into his worldly personal religion of unholy living and somehow intermingle those two things together. And folks, I'm very concerned that the church of God doesn't care about the holy things of God anymore, that there's such a looseness and such a lack of respect for who he is and such a false sense of grace that you can live how you want to live. And that's somehow okay that we have intermingled the holy things with the worldly things. And now all of a sudden that's okay. But here's what bothers me that night they're praying, they're partying, they're bringing in the vessels and they're drinking from them, the vessels from the temple and they're having all this good time. And you remember the story, the handwriting was on the wall, right? But nobody could read it. And I'm telling you folks, the handwriting's on the wall right now in the United States. Very few can read it. Very few can read it. But after even Daniel came in, right? After even his, I think it was his wife, or, you know, after they told him about this man of God came in and told him what was doing. I never even saw a single verse about him falling on his face and repenting. I don't see anything about that, but the truth was God gave them grace. The handwriting was on the wall, but they went to bed that night and they woke up and their kingdom had been taken from them. Folks, I am very 
worried for the United States and the believers in this country and the non-believers too, that you could go, we could go to bed one night and wake up in a totally different kingdom. Now you might think that's outrageous, but I don't think that's outrageous even one tiny bit. And so my concern is, are you reading and responding properly to what's going on in the world right now? Jamie, am I going just completely off the page right here? No, not at all, brother. And, and, and as you're saying that, I, I do keep thinking about specifically God's people, you know, and it says in Ezekiel 22, 26 about how her priest. So, so type and shadow of the church, right? So let's insert pastors there or, or ministers. Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the profane, and they have not taught the difference between the unclean and the clean, and they hide their eyes from my Sabbath, and I am profaned among them. Not only is not only do we have that precedence within scripture, but you have to remember this neo-Babylonian blindness has taken hold of this generation. They're the like even Christ quoted from the book of Isaiah, right? They're they they they're uh have eyes but are never seen, they have ears but are never hearing, right? Like like their hearts are so hardened, they have no clue what's going on. And just like Babylon, mystery Babylon, or the daughter of Babylon, spoken of in scriptures, which which I I lean towards it being the United States of America unequivocally is, is uh, the way I understand it and study. I'm always willing to be corrected in light of new information and change that view, but I'm, I'm utterly confident uh, that the United States of America and the church that has been born out of it is mystery Babylon. It is, it is the daughter of Babylon. So it is a type of a Babylon it is an offspring of a Babylon. And just like in a single day, in a single hour, the handwriting is written on the law. When you look at mystery Babylon, revelation 18, it's in a single day and a single hour, all the smoke was seen rising from her cities and all the great merchants of the world that made themselves wealthy because they purchased all their goods stand off ashore on their ships and woe is us, woe is us, was there ever such a great city as this? And in a single day, in a single hour, in a single day, in a single hour, it says it several times throughout Revelation 18. It's spoken of in Jeremiah 15 and 51. So not only are you not off base, brother, but it's it's at the root of the apostate church age is this neo-Babylonian blindness. It's the see no evil, hear no evil. We can we can live without making a distinction between the unclean and unclean. And Malachi 2 and 3 was the last thing Israel was saying before God went silent for over 400 years. You know, when they said, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord. And where is this God of justice? That was the last posture of his covenanted people before he went silent. It is the last posture of his covenanted people through the completed work of Jesus Christ, the church that says, uh, that they're always learning, but never able to come to an understanding of the truth. And they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And they're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of the Lord. And they say, where is this coming of the Lord? All the prophets are just when each day goes on business as usual, nothing to see here, nothing to notice here. No fear of the Lord. The Lord says, to whom can I speak? They, they do not fear me. They have no fear. And, you know, I think of Jeremiah five all the time. It says, it says, Oh Lord, do not your eyes look for truth. You 
struck them, but you felt no pain. Uh, this is like the, the virus stuff going on, all the shuttering of the churches, all the, all the uh, cultural pressures of the, of, of the church right now in this age. You, they made their faces harder than stone, and they refused to repent. Insert, we just can't wait to get back to normal. Insert virtue signaling, right? Insert anything that's about self-preservation, preservation of the world and the things of the world, because they love the world and the things of the world. They have no regard for the love of the world. And then this is what God says. I thought these are only the poor. They are foolish for they do not know the way of the Lord or the requirements of their God. So I'll go to the leaders and speak with them. Surely they will know the way of the Lord, the requirements of their God. But with one accord, they too had broken off the yoke and torn off the bonds. Mm. They have no fear of the Lord. So this, this Neo-Babylonian blindness, this is what I, I've, I've spoken to this several times, even at, um, you know, in, in public venues, specifically this concept of Neo-Babylonian blindness with the handwriting on the wall, because I look at everything through a military stratagem. That's all I know to do. When I see the scriptures, it's through a, a, a military paradigm. Genesis to Revelation is nothing but one giant war manual. And it speaks to the battles and the nature of the warfare and the consummate victory and the weapons of our warfare and the enemies and their strategies. But they, it, it's, it's a war of realms, a war of kingdoms, two kingdoms clashing, right? And, and obviously we have consummate victory, the Lord God Almighty through Christ Jesus. But I, I look at the, this, this idea of the handwriting on a wall in a single moment, in a single hour, just like with Mystery Babylon and Revelation 18. And I go, hmm, how long did it take for the Medes to mobilize, to secure the goods, to send in the spies and spy out the land, to mark targets, to put into place infiltrators, to buy off high level ranking members in the Babylonian empire so that they could walk in unannounced, uh, insert our current political, you know, paradigm in America. I'm so I thought you were reading from a news headline. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. I go and I go, um, let's see they that it took them. I did a study on this because I was so intrigued by it. It took the Medes two years of traveling across open ground with supply chains and logistics to support that size of army, two years of buildup and mobilizing, traveling across that ground. And you're telling me nobody in Babylon had a clue it was coming. But listen, I say that to say, yes, nobody in Babylon had a clue it was coming because that's exactly what's going on in America. There's Chinese troops inside our country, over 300,000. There's Russian troops inside our country, over 300,000 thousand our top officials have been bought off everywhere the church has been infiltrated critical race theory which is being taught by the southern baptist convention the gospel coalition and the major major seminaries all the way up to including uh dallas theological seminary and at wheaton college right these long-term reformist strong uh judeo-christian valued theologically dense areas, they have all bought on a critical race theory, which is a communist doctrine. Everybody knows that communism is Luciferianism. Everybody tracking? Karl Marx said communism is Luciferianism. Karl Marx worshiped Lucifer. Tim Keller says the, the only man in history who's ever come close to being Jesus Christ was Karl Marx. Are you freaking kidding me? And this guy is being quoted in almost every major church in America. He's just told you who he serves. He's just told you he belongs to. So you, you have the you have the White House being holographically painted in a rainbow flag, which is the exact same thing. This was under Obama administration, the exact same thing. In that moment in time, I knew that the that was the handwriting on the wall. And you know what happened when when he did that? Nothing. 
That's what happened. Not one pastor spoke up, not one that I know of. I'm sure there were small ones. We'll never know their names, right? There's always, God always has faithful ministers. Not one person said a word, not one pastor changed their, I know a lot of mega church pastors, not one of them changed their sermon on Sunday morning. Not one of them spoke to it because they want to drink out of the golden vessels. They make no distinction between the clean Mm, and unclean. And they watch that symbol of God's favor on this nation. They watch that symbol of God's consummate favor because we protected the tenets of his scriptures throughout our legal system and our laws and our educational systems. They watched that rainbow flag, which is a symbol of God to never judge a, a, a humanity again through a deluge. They watched that rainbow, which is made up of seven colors, transformed under LGBTQ to six colors, which is the consummate number of rebellion, sin, and lawlessness paint the highest place in the land. And they didn't utter a word. I mean, we've crossed the Rubicon ladies and gents, this, the handwriting on the wall has happened and it has been interpreted for you through, you know, quote unquote prophets like Daniel saying, this is what is going to happen. And yet still deaf and dumb under destruction because of the love of the world and the things of the world, the church will not wake up and do a word study on the command, not the suggestion, the command to wake up all throughout the new Testament and the epistles and on through the book of revelation. There is a, there is a very, very dire consequence for those who refuse to, to wake up, who are intoxicated by the world, who love the anxieties and the dissipations of this life, who will not throw off Babylon, who will not come out from among her, who love to touch the unclean things and make no distinction between the holy and the unholy. Mercy. Mercy. Folks, he, he's exactly right. And you know why it's so disgusting? Because that is a holy symbol that God put in the sky to say that I will never flood the earth again. And they turn it into something vain. And the reason the lifestyle is so sick is because it's the actual one thing that sins against creation. Because they're saying, I no longer wish to create. I will not create. And it is the only life I know that it's a sin not only against the Father, but against creation itself. Because it goes against the very first command that God gave the people to go out and be fruitful and multiply as couples in a loving, righteous relationship to do that. And there's a group of people that say, no, I don't want to create. It's disgusting. But Well, and, and, and let me add to that real quick, Brother Fink. The other thing, too, is that the act of sexual communion is one of the number one ways that God uses to testify to the gospel. That's why it's such a big deal. That's why it's the number one thing that gets corrupted and perverted and twisted. It's the number one thing that's preyed upon by the powers of darkness. It's the reason why a third of the heavenly hosts were willing to rebel because it actually testifies to the, to the power of the gospel that Christ speaks of in his prayer in Gethsemane that I will be in them and they will be in me just as I'm in the father and he is in me. The two become one flesh. It's this union of spirit, unbreakable bond. This, this covenantial love is so intimate that there's nothing on the face of the earth spiritually that can come to that depth of intimacy, which is why it's the number one thing that gets corrupted. So not only is, is this, this perversion at the root of defiance against God because of the ability to 
co-create with God. What a gift to co-create with God. He allows us to enter in that, but it's actually an affront to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why they use the rainbow. That's why they reduced it from seven. God's number of perfection, completion, holiness to six colors, which is rebellion, sin, lawlessness. And it's also why it's spoken of in Romans one as the late sign that somebody has been past tense, given over to strong delusions. They're done. They're given over. When they commit acts of that, they're given over. But not only the ones who are actually committing the acts, but it speaks to sp specifically those who condone it. So any single person who even says, I understand, I undergird it, I support it, I whatever, hey, love is love, whatever that is, you have already cast your lots. And that is a sign immovable and eternal through the word of God that you have been given over, not by the powers of darkness, but by the Lord God Almighty himself to strong delusions that you ought not do what you're doing. Absolutely. And folks, you go back to this, when you're talking about this whole one hour of one day, that goes right along with the perversion that's going on in the land. And you go back to Sodom and Gomorrah and you really look at what happened with Lot. You know, the Bible says that every day Lot was there, they said it vexed his righteous soul. Okay. But there was still some good left in, you know, not that any man's good, but there's still some, some righteousness apparently left inside of Lot. Okay. Because he heeded the angel's warnings when they came down to, to Sodom to tell him to leave. But the interesting thing, his family was a picture of the church in that day. Absolutely. He Man, tried to truth? tell them what was happening. And they looked at him. They said, as one who mocked, they thought this crazy old coot has no idea. He's lost his mind. They didn't want to hear the warning of what was going to happen. And it was so bad that the angels literally, because their husbands wouldn't come, had to grab them and drag his children out by their arms. Literally, they had to drag them out. And that's a that's actually a testimony of God's mercy. Yeah, it is. Doing whatever yeah. he can to reach. But there are people that will not come. And God, you know what? They look at you like you're crazy trying to warn them. But the Lord's saying, everything's ready to fall apart. You better wake up. And the church is saying, you, I, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's okay to live like that. It's all right. I, I, I think all the time about, about Lot, you know, and, and, and how it says that he was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard in the city day and night tormented. I think about law. I think about Ezekiel nine, when the Lord sends out the warring angels and what's the command to the warring angels to go out and slaughter. He says, begin in my house first in the inner courts. But then he stops him. He restrains him and he sends out another angel with a messenger satchel around his waist. And he says, but go out and put a mark and a seal upon the heads of those you find weeping for the sins of Jerusalem. They are not to be harmed by this judgment. You see, there's, there's this common thread about this contrition, this undone disgust, this righteous indignation, this hatred of wickedness, which is a testament that you fear the Lord, right? The fear of the Lord is to hate all wickedness. There's this testimony throughout scripture that those who are undone, tormented, and they're, I mean, tormented by the things you've seen here. And, and I can, it, it, that, that the Lord 
he he makes special provisions for them. I don't know how it works. I don't know how he chooses and what he does, but it's because they know him. They know that the offense is against him. They know that it grieves him. They, he knows that 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 you you understand that it's a war against the souls of men and against the glory of a king. You understand, and I can testify to that battle of lot. Like I, I experienced that in my own family, still currently doing that where you're warning, warning and warning and they mock you and scoff you, but yet they're, but yet they're seemingly a, in covenant with you, right? They're in fellowship. With, they're in the body with you. And yet they want nothing to do with the things of the world. And in fact, they have, they are not distressed by at all, by the things they see happening. They're not, they have no distress about it. And that's not saying because they're so filled with the fruits of the spirit that they're just still filled with peace and joy that they, no, they literally don't care. And, you know, it, it speaks of in Job, the proverbial ostrich that is so foolish, foolish. I can't remember where it's at in Job and like how God's endowed it with this, with this strength and the strength of the legs and it can outrun a horse, right? And it gives all this, this cool description of an ostrich. But then it says, but yet he gave, he did not endow it with any form of intelligence. It's so foolish that it tramples its own young and eggs underfoot. I'm like, if that isn't ever the testimony of the church, not only does it bury its head in the sand while its whole body is exposed to, to the prowling lion, lions all about them uh, uh, on the plains of, of Africa, but it's so foolish and haughty and its strength and pride and its proud wings and its prowess and its beauty, yet all the while it's trampling its own eggs underfoot. It cannot procreate. It is not going to create disciples. It is not going to raise up the next generation because it's too stupid and trampling their own underfoot, you know? And, and I, I don't know, brother, it just, you can tell I get a little bit fired up about this because this has been the battle of the ages. And I know it will continue to be the battle of the ages, but here's where the hope and lies. The hope and lies is that the Lord always, always, always has a ram in the bush. And it does not matter how apostate the church is. It, I mean, it does, right? Understand the context of what I'm saying. It, is, it does not matter how few there are left. It does not matter how many people take up the command from, from the Lord when he says, if you're fearful or faint-hearted, basically, if you love the world and the things of the world, get off my battlefield. It doesn't matter how many leave when he gives that command, because they are. They're leaving in droves right now. What matters is those who know their God, that are so hypervigilant for the Holy One of Israel, that even in the rear with the gear, even when the enemy is not beating down the gates yet, they keep their eyes fixed outwards, scanning the horizons for the enemy so that they can guard the glory of the Holy One of Israel. He is not interested in the, in the quantity of men, only ever in the quality of men's hearts. And if he can do it with 300, he'll do it with 300. If he can do it with one or two, he'll do it with one or two. The numbers don't matter. Those who know their God, the, the true church, the authentic church is Jesus Christ. Not those who will be among those who say, Lord, Lord, not those who find the word offensive, not those who have a reductionist worldview that have reduced God into their own image, but those who truly know the Lord, the authentic church, they are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. They are wise because they fear the Lord. That's the only way they can be wise. And they turn many back to righteousness, Daniel 12. They know their God. They go forth and do exploits, Daniel 11. They are among those who do overcome because they know the, the blood of the lamb. The word of their testimony is powerful and it shakes the ground beneath people's feet because they don't fear their life so much as they're afraid to lose it. They have no regard for the world or the things of the world. They have no regard for the esteem of men. They only ever long for the esteem of the Lord. And they know that this is the man who the Lord esteems him who is humble and contrite 
and trembles at my word. And they are among those who overcome him, the antichrist and everything that comes with them. There is an authentic church out there, ladies and gents. I say, draw them out, minister to them, be found in fellowship, be found gathering together and encouraging one another, even more so as you see the day of the Lord approaching, sharpen one another, sharpen one another sword sharpen one another as iron sharpens others be found worshiping and singing psalms and hymns and devote yourselves to the apostles teaching be strong in the lord pray for one another that you would be bold and fearless as you ought to be as an ambassadors and chains for a kingdom that cannot be shaken this is what we need to get fixated on ladies Amen. and gents Praise God. That's right, folks. We, that is true. And, you know, it's interesting that I'm what I'm running into or what I'm seeing. And, and it's something that we all have happen is, is folks, we are going to be the one generation that has literally absolutely zero excuse. We have more Bibles available. We have more opportunities available. Like we are going to literally have no excuse, especially here in the United States of America. And this Bible, this gift from God of his very words, we people aren't even reading it and preparing themselves because there's something in here that's so important. And brother, I want to jump into this tonight that I feel that if we don't get this done and take care of this, that what's coming, folks, you literally, I literally, we literally could go to bed one night and wake up under new rule. I'm, and I, I'm in anticipation of that brother. I actually, I, I mean, we just know scripturally that that's what we should be expecting. Not yeah. that it should cause us fear or consternation, but that's should be the expectation. If you know, if you know the Lord and you know, his justice his righteous justice. Absolutely. In revelation 18, you're right. And, the, and you can see it. You, you just, it, you know, it's going to happen. And then you read the end of it in verse 23, how the whole world was deceived from the merchant. There's the merchants in the earlier that are selling to Bab mystery Babylon. But then it says the mystery Babylon were the great merchants of the earth that made, and they deceived the whole world through pharmacy. Isn't that yep. interesting? That's where we're living yep. at today. Through and pharmacia. Yeah. Exactly. And so here we, we are living in this hour and the very gifts that God's given us to use to the benefit of the kingdom and for our own protection, we are neglecting. It reminds me of that book, folks. If you've never read a book, it's by, it's the story of the true story of brother Yun. It's called the heavenly man. It's the only book my wife and I ever fought over who could read because we only had one copy and we were literally angry because I, it was her turn to read. It was my turn to read. We were brother. We wanted the book. Each one of us, it was so intense. We couldn't put it down, but there was something in the beginning. I remember he was in China and the Bible of course was outlawed and he'd heard of this man who had a Bible and he traveled all this way through the wilderness to try to find it. And you know, you couldn't be caught with anything and he so bad wanted to to read this bible and and i remember he asked the guy you know and the guy wouldn't even open the door up for him if he had a bible and he wouldn't even answer him straight and he was so desperate he finally just said can i see it he was so desperate to just see the word of god it, it when i read that it just it makes me ashamed that we would take for granted this book and the power that is in this book 
coupled with an opportunity of prayer to fellowship directly before the very throne of grace, which the veil has been ripped into, and we can now come boldly to be neglected in such an hour as this. Oh, brother. I, I mean, I'm, I'm brokenhearted hearing it because I, I just, I just think I've thought the same thing is like the reason why our judgment will be so severe is because of what we've been afforded. The church, this church age in particular, Western, the Western evangelical church is going to be so utterly devastated by how the Lord judges righteously. And it's because of what we've been afforded, you know, and, and hearing, hearing you um, sharing that testimony of that brother in China, it just reminds me of, of that. That should be the hunger and thirst of our heart every day. And yet most pastors that I know, and, and like I said, I, I know, I know a lot, I know a lot that are in full-time ministry and pastors. Um, I've heard the majority, not all the majority say that they rarely read their word. And sometimes they actually find it burdensome and it, it just devastates me. It wow. devastates me. And it makes me think, so this is what we're going to get right again. This is prophetic word from the Lord to the church. This I I've just opened my Bible to, and I have literally in red letters written over it, the church. <laughs> so I must have impacted me when it, when the Lord led me to it a long time ago. But this is an Amos 8, and it says, The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food or of thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Men will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to, north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Absolutely. He's going to, he said, you didn't value it when it was in front of you. When in devastation, you're longing for a word of encouragement. You're longing to be reminded of the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. You're, you're longing to be reminded of the resurrection. You're, long, you're longing to be reminded of the presence and the promises of the Lord. You're not going to find it. There's another verse. I can't think of it off the top of my head. It says, it says in that day, when you seek a revel, when your priest and your prophets seek revelation from the Lord, they will receive none. And that day they cry, they will cry out to the Lord and he will not answer them. And that day you will not look on his face, but on his back. And I go, woe is me, Lord. God, do whatever you have to do to crush me and sanctify me and draw me out of this Babylonian cultural mindset that I've been born into and that I'm even subjected to, that my, my flesh is worn against my spirit day and night. Woe to me, Lord, if I don't have your, your word. It is, my, it is the bread of life. Men cannot live on bread alone, but by the very, the very word of God. I cannot fight this fight alone, but by the very word, Christ Jesus, the sword that I'm commanded to take in my hand. Lord God, please do whatever you got to do. Search my heart. See if there's any unclean way in me, Lord, and lead me in your way everlasting. God, I must have you. I have nothing without your presence. I have nothing without your word, God. And yet he says, there's coming a day where because you disregarded it and it was offensive to you in the time of plenty and prosperity and a place of peace, because you did not hunger and thirst for my word willingly, you're going to cry out for it desperately and i will not respond to you woe woe to the church amen that is powerful brother and so true folks it's it's just like and this is what i want to get into i remember i was in the marines and and we had a lot of things when we were running we would say that lord help me i would never repeat okay because they're so dirty and filthy uh from a language but we used to have this one where we talked about running through the to the 
through the woods with our M16 and and it ended up we forgot our magazines, right? And they, we said a few choice words in there. But how stupid that would be, right? How idiocracy, how idiot big idiots you would be to go to battle and forget your armor, to go to battle and forget your bullets, to forget your weapons. How stupid that would be. And we would, you know, sing these songs while we were running to remind us that we are warriors and we need to be prepared when we are going into battle. And, and, and I know that sounds like a silly, maybe analogy to some people right there, but the truth is, is that we are warriors and we are preparing for battle. And I'm telling you right now, I, in my flesh, you in your flesh, Jamie in his flesh, or with his physical arms, whatever weapons he has will not be able to stand what is coming in this flesh in, in his own earthly preparations in my own earthly preparations we will not stand what is coming but god said that he has an armor he has the preparations that we actually can stand through the darkest of hours in this earth's history and i say that because i want you to understand tonight that we must take the battle so seriously and use the tools that the Lord has given. And I'm going to go back to something that's very, very basic. It's been read. You've probably heard a thousand sermons on it, but it's so uh, Christianity 101 and yet so neglected. It is for this hour. Ephesians chapter six, brother, you know where I'm going in verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. So the whole thing that God's talking about here is in preparation to withstand the evil day. Folks, that's coming. That's here right now. And it's going to get worse. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god praying always with all prayer and supplications in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints brother I'm going to let you share because right now, because this is my concern. God is giving us all the armament, the weaponry, the sword of the spirit, everything we need. And if we neglect this armor, we are running into the battle blind, poor, and naked. Absolutely. I mean, the, the armor of God is one of the most Sunday school reduced vain sound bites that's uh, that's occurred in the in the last probably 300 years within the christian faith and in particular in the last 80 years with the even the rise of the seeker friendly um church growth model evangelical ilk the nature of your calling and election in christ is so gnarly the field of battle is so savage. The atrocities are insane. The high cost and the collateral damage is so significant. And the, the battlefield casualties are so massive that it requires the literal 
armor of God himself for you just to stand in it. If it requires the literal armor of God for you to just stand, what ought to be the nature of your calling and election in Christ Jesus? Has anybody ever asked themselves that question? And listen, notice it's the armor of God. It's God's literal armor. It's a type and shadow. We saw the type and shadow with Saul and David. It's not the armor of Saul that he gave as a king to David that did not fit him. No, this is the armor of God, God's literal armor that he has to place on you just so you can stand and withstand within the evil day. And you know what that armor is, ladies and gents? It is Christ Jesus himself covering you. That is the nature of the savagery of the battlefield that you have been enlisted into in Christ Jesus. You were listening into it just by being born right smack into the front lines, the war of the ages against the glory of a king and a kingdom. And he has written you right into the, to the annals of, of this cosmic history and the story of war against his kingdom. And against his son, Christ Jesus is your armor. Jesus is your salvation. Jesus is your shield of faithfulness with which you extinguish the enemy's arrows. His faithfulness is your shield and rampart. Psalm 91. Praise be to God. It's not up to your faithfulness. Amen, everybody. Praise be to God. It's not dependent on your faithfulness. Christ Jesus is your body armor of righteousness. Praise be to God. It's not dependent on your righteousness. You'd fail 10, 10, 10 times out of 10. It is Christ Jesus is the way, the truth in the life. He is the truth. Your war belt that has all your primary kit, your weapons of warfare around your waist and that holds all your armor together. Christ Jesus is the peace that shods your feet where once you were an enemy of God, but now he calls you friend. This is the nature of the warfare. And as any frontline warrior in the natural will tell you, your armor and your weapons of warfare are everything. They're everything. The reason why we wear our armor, this is why I, I, you guys, there's a video on YouTube where I, I, I take a young kid and I, and I put him in all my modern battlefield kit, in, including an AR in his hands and everything. And I go through, we need to modernize our nomenclature and understanding of what a battlefield warrior looks like and what his armor is made for and what it does. There's a video, you can go watch it. Because we have to understand this thing. If we miss it, we are going to be casualties in a war that we don't understand. Your kit, your armor is designed for offensive warfare. It is designed to defend you just Amen. enough so that you can offend. Everybody getting that? It gives me enough confidence to be the first in the stack. When I stack with my brothers in arms and I feel that squeeze on my, on my shoulder and we breach that door to set enemy prisoners of war free, to set the captives free, or to bind up the brokenhearted, or to tear down strongholds that are standing up against their king. When I get that squeeze on my shoulder and you go, Boom, you breached that door with violence of action. Remember the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. Listen, sorry, I digress. Let me, I told you that I see everything in the scripture, in the scriptures through this lens of a warrior paradigm. It's all right there, but unless you've been a warrior in the natural, you'll miss it, right? It's all speaking to the nature, the martial nature of what you've been enlisted into. Okay, back on track. The armor of God is literally designed to defend you enough so that you can offend it's designed for offensive nature nobody sits there in the armor of god going oh geez i really hope i survive the day that is not what you see on the the modern battlefield with warriors donning armor with weapons in hands they're designed to do something ladies and gents that sword that you're commanded to take 
commanded, not suggested to take. You are to wield expertly. It should be dinged and nicked and dented and shown. Your armor should be worn and haggard. That shield should have blow after blow struck upon it. If your sword is over your mantle, adorning your mantle, gleaming and shining, it testifies that you have not understood the warfare nor entered it at any point in your life. It is designed for activity. It is designed for action. That's why even it says in 1 Peter 1, therefore prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. Listen, I've given you this command, this commission, this calling. You are to go out. You are to, you are to tear down every false stronghold and false pretense that sets us up against the knowledge of God. You are to bind up. You are to provide battlefield first aid and buddy aid. You are to take enemy ground. You are to strike a blow against the powers of darkness. And you are to set prisoners of war free. This is what it's designed to do. It was never meant to be some Sunday school, vain pleasantry, little coloring page of a kid where you memorize what each is each of the pieces of armor of God is. That was never what the apostle Paul intended when he was speaking that. That was divinely inspired through the power of the Holy Spirit from the Lord God Almighty to teach and to train the church, the nature and the calling of their election of the warrior redeemed. And their role with inside of it. It's a big deal, brother Frank. It's a big deal. And it burdens me that we, we don't understand even the basics of our Christian calling election. Like that, that, uh, that diatribe or whatever monologue that I just gave, when somebody says, I want to give my life to Christ, that should be in the first five minutes of what they hear about their calling election in Jesus Christ. It should be, you better count the cost. What general, what king sends his troops to battle without first having counted the cost? Count the cost. This is what you're entering into. It's a warfare. But listen, this is who you are in Christ Jesus. This is the armor of God that you've been given. And it's so that you can stand and withstand in the evil day. And you can carry forward your mission to mission accomplishment with honor courage and commitment and you will have no need to be ashamed on the day of the lord amen and and folks this is he's right because so often this armor has been viewed as purely defensive and that's not true that is not true because the warrior is not only armed for defense but he's given a sword to advance and the truth is that jesus said the same exact things here when he was talking to simon peter he said Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, folks, gates are not offensive. They are a defensive to keep people trapped inside. But what he's saying is that the church is to actually bust through the very gates of hell to release the prisoners from the captivity of what it means to be under the control of Satan. But if the armor is only viewed as being defensive, then we are not advancing forward. When God said that the very gates cannot stop his church, it's a new mentality to understand that the authority has been given to us, not to Satan, that we are to advance the kingdom. We are not, though, advancing in the way of, of that we see this world advancing, but we are advancing on our knees. We are advancing in the spirit. We are praying down strongholds. We are believing that the power of God is greater than anything of this darkness in this age, and God wants us to stand up and to stand for what is right in this world. And God has given us the tools, and we need to take a hold of them and use them for what they were designed. The armor of God contains the very sword of the spirit 
which can either cut or heal because it's two edged. And I'm telling you what, sometimes you got to get cut in order to be healed. And I'm talking cut right to the root, laying the axe to the root. And sometimes the sword of the spirit, it'll lay you right open. But when you get laid open, man, that's when the Lord can begin to start pouring in that healing power. Just like when a seed hits the ground, brother, it's got to die first and it has to open up in order to receive the nutrients from the earth. Folks, sometimes the Lord breaks us too so that we can be received that nutrients from him and become useful in his kingdom. Listen, you will have times in the desert. You will have times that you're going to feel defeated, but that is not that God did not design us to live a constant life of defeat. He designed us to be useful in his kingdom. And I'm not talking about driving Mercedes. I'm talking about going through the very gates of hell to set the captives free. Amen. That's what the Lord has designed us to do. But this today's sissified, I don't know what the problem is, but the church of God has lost its backbone and the men are hardly to be found. I, I know, brother, I know what the problem is, is that they love the world and the things of the world. So to stand up and stand out as a warrior redeemed of the Lord and a dogma founded in biblical truth means that you may lose some of those creature comforts of the world. You may be mocked, scoffed, insulted, reviled. You may be rejected by your family members and those around you. You may be a portent in the mouths. They may make up songs of mockery to you like they did of all of God's servants. So it's the love of the world and the things of the world is why men will not stand up. I have heard so many times from pastors, well, I don't want to speak to those things because I don't want to be divisive. I don't want to, I don't want to stir the pot. I don't want to speak well. So it's all about then this is, this is why the depth of understanding and, and having that, that true self-evaluation, not the faulty self-evaluation of the latest in church who says they're wealthy and, and in need of nothing yet. God's like, are you kidding me? You're wretched. You're pitiful and you're poor, blind, and naked, but it's, it's at the root of it is a love of self. That's what was prophesied. To that, that should be your expectation. It's the reason why there's no <clears throat> godly men. There's no men who fear the Lord. There's no men who have the spirit of David that are so disgusted at the mocking and scoffing of their God that in zealous jealousy for the glory of their God, they charge through the counterfeit warriors clanking in their armor, shaking out of fear, charges right through them and says, who in the world is this uncircumcised even who dare defies my God? Like, homie, I'm going to feed you to the birds today. I know my God, he will not be mocked. We're the men that are willing to do that today. And it's that love of self. Self-preservation is the number one spiritual posture of men in the church today. Self-preservation. That's why they won't stand up and lead their wives. Why? Because it may cause some tension in their house for a couple of weeks as they're reorganizing their homes to be the high priest of their homes. Why won't they lead their kids spiritually? Well, that would cost them too much because they're tired and, you know, they have their 287 channels on TV that they want to watch tonight. It's all about self-preservation constantly. And, and it's insane because this is at the root of the divergence from the authentic gospel. I have Matthew 11, 12 in front of me right now. Here's, here's what the command was from Kais to 
to the church, to the burgeoning church as he's trying to teach his disciples. Look, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. I want you to understand what we're all about. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his, his name. The Lord, like a mighty man, like a man of war will stir up his zeal and show himself mighty against his foe. My father is the commander of the heaven's armies. I'm the captain of salvation. Like, do you understand who we are? The son of man was made manifest for this reason. First John 3, 8, that he might destroy the works of the evil one. He's like, do you not understand? You think I came to bring peace? I'm telling you, I didn't. I came to bring a sword. Like he keeps reminding them, reminding them, reminding them. This is what it's all about. Matthew eleven twelve. He goes on to further reaffirm this. Listen, gents. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And people go, what does that mean? What does that mean? Literally, Jesus is commanding his disciples that they must be men and women of violence. They must be men and women of violence. We go, oh my goodness, did he just say that Christians are supposed to be violent? Yes, I did. If you knew and understood the context of what it means to be a person of violence. Let me share with you. (laughs) These are the synonyms for violent. Are you ready for it? You still there, Brother Frank? I'm here, brother. I'm listening. I'm at church Okay, right good. Now. Okay. okay. I just want to make sure something weird popped up on my computer. Listen, here are the synonyms for being a person of violence. Forceful, potent, zealous, fierce, emphatic, intense, vehement, fiery, fervent, powerful, and impassioned. It would do us well to... Take on the command of Jesus Christ himself. The man of peace says, listen, my kingdom is so under assault. It is so under violent that you, my church, my disciples, those who will come after my apostles, you must lay hold of it by violence. That's how significant the war is for it. And I, you know, I challenge everybody to go read the Matthew Henry commentary on Matthew 11, 12. It is so powerful. You're like, oh God, where's the preaching of that? Uh, Spurgeon, he did a whole sermon on Matthew 11, 12 about what it means to be a people of violence. They go, oh God, it's so powerful. I wrote about it in detail in my book of mega dynamics. What does it mean to take the, to, that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force? It would do us well, ladies and gents, to know and understand exactly what the gospels are speaking to. But because we have failed to, that is why the church has been infiltrated, overwhelmed, over, overrun, and overcome by every secret doctrine of demons. And it has brought the way of truth into disrepute. Mm. Amen, folks. <laughs> Praise God, brother. I, I'm, I appreciate what you're sharing. And it's it's so true. And, and so my question would be, brothers, we're coming down to the close on this program. And I think it's just something that's been a struggle. If you could, you know, obviously there's a whole entire scholarly look at this, folks. The old te- the the armor of God, you can find it in the old testament, believe it or not, and these things. And but brother, what would you say to somebody uh, as we're closing here? That's saying, you know what, brother, I want to truly put on the armor of God. Where do I start? I, I don't fully under, I've been trying for years. Maybe I don't, I don't think I'm fully getting it. What would you say to that person? Um, I, I'm going to tell you something that sounds completely contrary with the passion with which you've heard us speaking all night, <laughs> right? We happen to speak guys like us happen to speak highly impassioned because we're very jealous for the Lord. So I'll tell you something completely opposite. You need to still and quiet yourself before a holy God. 
It says, and repentance and rest is your salvation and in quietness and trust is your strength but you will have none of it. See, you have to first commune with the Lord. You have to come underneath the Lord. You have to subordinate yourself to the captain of your salvation and in your commander in chief, the Lord of the heavens armies. You have to come into and underneath. You have to dwell, hide, abide in the Lord. This presupposes um, a level of quiet and confidence and an undoing that very few of us are willing, very are willing to enter into. If we take a snapshot at the majority of our prayer lives, it's constant communication, very little stillness and quietness. If we take a snapshot of our daily lives, it's this is what I'm going to do for you to honor you today, Lord. And we make the choice. We don't ever still and quiet ourselves enough to say, Lord, what would you have me do? Lord, what would you have me say? Amen. Lord, what would you have me not say? So it's in, it, this is the command, right? I think it's Isaiah 30, 15 and repentance and rest is your salvation and in quietness and trust is your strength and you will have none of it. Also, I think it's in Isaiah 42. Don't quote me on that. Somewhere in that area, I'm like staring at it in my brain. They can't see it for sure. But it says the effect or the fruit of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forevermore. Well, how, how do we become a righteous man and woman? Well, the completed work of Christ, right? Yes, but we still have skin in the game. How do you become righteous? You walk by faith. My righteous ones will live by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please me. How do you have the wisdom to know what it looks like to walk by faith? Well, you fear the Lord. And in the fear of the Lord, you have wisdom. And as you grow in fear of the Lord and you grow in wisdom, then, then you grow in an understanding of what it means to be undone and walk by faith. And as you increasingly walk by faith, you're increasingly growing and being progressively sanctified and walking in righteousness. As, you, as you're growing in righteousness and you're throwing off the things of the world and you're eating the word of the Lord and you're drinking from the stream of living waters every day, you increasingly grow in quietness and confidence and you commune and you dwell and you hide and abide in the Lord and you're covered by the Lord God Almighty. And because you know and understand the covering of the Lord God Almighty that has nothing to do with you, nothing to do with your strength, your faithfulness, your righteousness, your salvation, your understanding, your power, your youth, your shrewdness, your prudence, that it's all about Jesus. Then ladies and gents, you know what it's like to don the armor of God. Because, you know, it's Christ in you and you arise and you shine in the knowing of your God. And when he gives the command, you move out through him alone, nothing of your own strength, of your own doing. And you go forth and you do daring feats of valor. And listen, for you, ladies and gents, you know what the daring feat of valor might be? It might be you going to your unbelieving kids, your adult unbelieving kids, and you've restrained the power of the gospel because you, you were so worried about wrecking that relationship and ruining that relationship. And you valued the relationship with your adult children more than you did their souls before a holy God. Maybe your daring feat of valor is you grow in such a knowing of your God that you go to your adult children and you are willing to forsake them for the cause of Christ and you lay it all out. One last time with nothing re restrained. Maybe that's your daring feat of valor. Maybe your daring feat of val valor is you, sister, who has an unbelieving husband, 
and you've been fighting and grinding and clawing and, and praying and crying out for years and years and years for your husband to come to know the Lord. Maybe your daring feet of valor is you entrust him to the Lord and you live at peace with the Lord God Almighty as your head and as your true and better husband. And you finally have a peace in the Lord that you've never known your entire marriage. Maybe that's your daring feet of valor. You see what I'm saying? Like it, it's not this, it's not this physical thing like storming the capital or doing whatever, like, that's not what it, that's not what a daring feat of valor looks like. It looks like that pastor in China scouring the face of the earth to find the word of the Lord. That's a daring feat of valor. It looks like dying to self and living for Christ, no matter what the cost, and especially dying to all the fleeting relationships that you're willing to cling to instead of seeking to glorify the Lord and caring about their souls before a holy God. That's what it looks like. Man. Wow. You know, folks, what Jamie's talking about here and it's, it's so true. And, and I know there's a lot, we all have our struggles and, and, I, and I've said this so often, folks, if you fight and you try to fight against your sin directly, most likely you will end up living in your sin and dying in your sin. But if you will do as the Lord says, seek ye first the kingdom, meaning simply put your focus on the Lord. If you're worried about the last days, stop for a moment. If you're worried about what's going on in the world right now, stop for a minute. If you're worried that you're not going to have enough food supply, stop for a second. Just, just stop it. If you're worried you can't overcome some sin, stop Stop for just a minute. Quit your worry and say, Lord, I, I got to cast this aside for a moment. Lord, I need to now put my focus on you. I'm going to begin to read your word again. I'm going to start praying, Lord. And, he, and you know my struggles right here. I've laid them out. But Lord, I'm going to start to do this because he said, if you will seek first the kingdom of God, then he will add all things unto you. And as Jamie was saying, in that quietness, if you seek the Lord, go into your closet, shut the door, he says, and that which you ask in secret, he will reward you openly. Okay, but first you have to have, as Jamie was saying, the quiet time in that prayer closet alone with the Lord, and he will in turn take care of the rest. I don't care, folks, if you've got a bunker 600 feet under the ground and you've got 10 years of supplies. If you don't know the Lord, good luck. You're going to need it. Because it's only those who know the Lord, because it only took them three days out of Egypt before they were begging to go back. And the Bible says they spoiled the Egyptians. They left fully loaded in three days. They were ready to turn and run back because they were in their flesh. But if you do this, you know what will happen with the Lord? He will clothe you in his armor with his robe of righteousness. And by reading his word and seeking him, you don't have to understand it all. I know people say, I don't understand the Bible. When I first started, I didn't understand. And I've read in, all the time. I can read the same thing. And all of a sudden, one day it, it just clicks and it opens. But you got to stay at it. It's the same thing in my job and IT and computers and things like that. I would for years, you know, working on, I don't think I'll ever understand this. I'll never get this. And all of a sudden, one day it just clicked and I got it. It's the same thing. But I kept being persistent. And God's asking us to do the same thing, but it starts as brother Jamie said in quietness, getting alone with the Lord and he will take care of the rest. And brother, you hit it on the head. So often we pray and we tell Lord, the Lord what we want and how he needs to deliver it. 
Very rarely do we ever say, Lord, what do you desire of me? How can I serve you today? Brother, thank you so much for what you've shared on this program tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on, brother. It's it's always a, a pleasure and it's it's water for my soul to just constantly hear the gospel being proclaimed out loud. And, and just so the listeners know, like, listen, I'm never, I am never, ever speaking or talking or preaching at you. I'm only ever speaking and preaching and talking to myself. I am, I am preaching the gospel to myself in real time, day after day after day, until my heart sings aloud for the glories of the Lord and Lord alone. So it's, it's refreshing to me even just to be reminded of the amazing truths of the Lord. I know Brother Frank uh, would speak to this very plainly as well, too. We are hot mess sinners that have to battle our flesh every second of the day and crucify it and take captive and command and control it and war against the flesh and the spirit is a real thing every second of the day. And so as we speak and as we talk and as we share, we're only ever proclaiming what is true, not that we have it figured out and not that we even are able to fully embrace it, but it's true because it's true because it's true, period. And so it doesn't matter where we're at emotionally. It doesn't matter where we're at intellectually or academically. It doesn't matter. It's just true because it is. And it is the truth that sets men free. Even myself or brother Frank, as we're, it's the truth that sets men free. So anyways, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on with you, brother. It's always uh, refreshing and fruitful. And I, I praise the Lord that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. That's Amen. all I know. Hallelujah. We win, they we win, they lose, and I praise God. Amen, folks. Just if you if you str- open up the end of the book, we the Lord wins. It's glorious. It's wonderful, and it's not going to be a lot longer, but it will. As that old movie, Prior to Salvation, okay, Roadhouse, <laughs> it will get worse before it gets better. Okay, um, there is coming a battle, but God has has armed us. He's got us ready. And and as Jamie's saying, the things we share, the things I share, folks, it's just what I want somebody else to say back to me. Amen. It's what I want to hear. It's what's on my heart. I remember, Brother Avalos, I don't like hearing my own sermons. Okay, I preach a different. I don't like hearing my voice um, say, but I went, I remember a while I went and actually listened to a sermon because I thought I said something that I was a little concerned about. Right. So I went back and listened, ended up getting convicted by my own sermon because I realized <laughs> yeah, I all I would, the time I was no. one. I was <laughs> preaching what I was dying for somebody to say to me. Amen. And well, what's worse is my wife will send me my old sermons that convict me when I'm a hot mess or whining and complaining about stuff. And she'll send me one of my own old sermons and go, remember you need to remember the truth that, that, you know, is inside of you, you know? So yeah, I, God I for good wives. It. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord brother. Thank you. God bless you folks. Please don't forget, go out and subscribe to us on um, rumble. We're going to be eventually I'm sure off this platform and onto there permanently. So I never know which day is the last day on this platform. So please go over there and do that. Follow brother Jamie at omegadynamics.org and keep up what's going on him. And folks, it won't be long. We'll be in the kingdom together. And I hope we can have a remnant call radio gathering with the special guest. I'm hoping is the Lord himself will come and he'll be the speaker. 
on the show and we can just sit back and bask in his glory. Amen. That'll be Amen. wonderful. This is brother Frank and brother Jamie Walden on the remnant call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, 